We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, November the 4th, 2021. Today's show, I break down this weekend's game as the Gamecocks return to action off the bye week to take on the Florida Gators Saturday night at Williams-Brice Stadium. Guys, I'll break down this game in its entirety. First things first, we'll talk about Dan Mullen's squad as well as top storylines, key matchups to watch for, keys to the game, and much more as, again, South Carolina begins their November slate of games in the final month of this 2021 football season. Also, guys, news and notes to get into your listener questions and a fantastic throwback interview. Great conversation with one of the all-time greats, one of the best to ever wear the garnet and black, former Gamecocks ball carrier, Derek Squeaky Watson, sat down with me for a great conversation just a couple of years ago. Guys, a phenomenal combo you surely do not want to miss. We have got a packed show here on a Thursday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging professional items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media, at Upstate Movers Group. Of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it.
oh, oh. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, happy Thursday. Hope you are all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips with the Spurs Up show as always. And as you can tell, had to start off this show here on a Thursday on a high note that is the Atlanta Braves are officially the World Series champions. Obviously, I know, guys, it happened ending Tuesday night, but of course, recorded the show for yesterday before that went down on Tuesday. So again, hey, and you know what? We're having a week-long celebration. We're having a month-long. We're having a celebration until spring training hits. And I also thought, you know what? With it being Florida week and the Florida game on Saturday, how about just an extra little jab at the Florida Gators? We'll do the tomahawk chop if you go right here in the studio. So, again, congratulations to all the Atlanta sports fans, all my Braves fans out there. The Atlanta Braves are World Series champion sure does have a nice ring to it doesn't it hey we're going to be celebrating all weekend as well guys one quick reminder and we'll go ahead and dive into it the tsus tailgate at sea wells of course kickoff is at 7 30 guys we'll be getting out there and my crew is probably going to start around 12 12 30 one o'clock i would say at the latest so again stay tuned for that but if you're looking to tailgate early celebrate drink some cold ones have a day we will be out there at Sea Wells. If you don't know where Sea Wells is, right across the street from the Rocket, which is in the fairgrounds, or just down the road from Jayco's on the corner. Again, you cannot miss it. The TSUS and Big Cock Club flags will be flying. So again, that is Sea Wells spots 93 to 96. Spots 93 to 96 will be out there on Saturday. Again, really looking forward to seeing all of you out there. Now, Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this thing. The Gamecocks are taking on the Florida Gators on Saturday, looking to snap a three-game losing streak to the Orange and Blue guys. Of course, kickoff at 7.30 on the SEC Network. The game being played at Williams-Brice Stadium in Columbia, South Carolina. The Gamecocks, an 18.5-point underdog, as we talked yesterday, the over-under sitting at 52.5. The overall series history, like I mentioned, guys, Gamecocks have lost three straight. Florida leads overall 29 9 and three. So South Carolina looking for their 10th win, looking to get a double-digit wins over the University of Florida in the last meeting as well. Of course, guys, who can forget last year when the Gamecocks fell to Florida 38 to 24. And of course, the thing that really stands out from that ball game a season ago was the clock management or lack thereof in that football game. Who can forget the nonsense that went down in the last seven or eight minutes of that football game? But either way, again, the Gamecocks looking to snap their three-game losing streak. And I will say this, the interesting thing about this series, though, is, you know, I think you ask any South Carolina fan, they would tell you that the Gamecocks most certainly should have won at minimum one of the last three games. Because you look, 2017, I was there the last time the Gamecocks beat Florida, uh, taking down Jim McElwain's squad. 2018 was the game, you might recall, and I'm sure if you can, you don't want to, was the game that South Carolina was up like 17 points late in the third quarter, found a way to lose that football game. 2019, of course, at Williams-Brice Stadium, the ref game. Who can forget about that one? And then last year, you know, a game that I hate to say you should have won because you lost by two touchdowns, but you certainly had opportunities. And, you know, you, you really, the end of the game, mismanagement of the clock really summarized that football game. But either way, Gamecocks are looking to snap a three-game losing streak in this one. And a game we looked at, guys, if you recall, we looked at this game 
in the preseason and said maybe, just maybe, because of where it falls in the schedule, everything Florida lost from a season ago, could this be that statement type of win for Shane Beamer in his first season? In Columbia. Guys, a quick breakdown of Florida. Of course, their head coach, Dan Mullen. And Mullen has run into his fair share of turmoil and adversity this season, of course, with the questions about his future there. Does he want to be there? And just some of the things he says in press conferences and some of the off the wall comments he makes. Of course, the latest thing talking about recruiting and how we'll talk about recruiting after the season. And Shane, you're making his remarks on Tuesday saying that recruiting is a 365 days a year thing. So, Dan Mullen, what is his status? What is his job security in Gainesville as the Gators head coach? Of course, Florida right now, guys, sitting four and four overall, two and four in the SEC. And the interesting thing is this, guys, again, Florida is an 18 and a half point favorite, but they have the exact same record as the Gamecocks. That's how tough things have gone for Florida this season, though, of course, going off that shellacking to the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Florida's a football team averaging 31 points per game, giving up 22 points per game. But really the story for this football team, um, you know, you lose so much from a season ago in which they had a phenomenal squad, of course, with all the talent, the, the generational talent, talent with guys like Grimes and Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask and everybody they had on the offensive side of the football. They've had questions at quarterback all season long with Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. Running the football is truly their forte, though, guys. This, this Florida team averaging 243 yards rushing thus far that is 2021 football season. So they can run the football. Can they pass it effectively enough? That is the big question for Florida, and that's been their Achilles heel, I believe, all season long. Also that and turnovers. They have turned the football over a lot. In their loss to LSU, they turned it over four times, lost to Georgia, turned it over twice. Hey, even before that, when they played Vandy, they won big, but they turned it over twice in that football game as well. So, so can South Carolina take advantage of that? Again, it's been a very up-and-down season in Florida all over the field. And, of course, their defense, which had a historically bad year last year, under Todd Grantham, have not been great. Can the Gamecocks somehow, someway get their offense going and take advantage of what is somewhat a suspect Florida defense, I would say? All right, let's dive, guys, into our top storylines. And speaking of that, speaking about – offensively and quarterback play. What's so intriguing about this football game is that neither team knows who it's going to start at quarterback yet, at least to the public eye, if you will. Maybe behind closed doors they know, but to the public eye, nobody knows who's going to be starting at quarterback for either one of these teams. You start on the Florida side, and of course, Anthony Richardson, the guy that Florida fans and really SEC fans as a whole thought should have been starting for them all season long. He finally gets the non center. Well, here's the problem. He was taking on maybe the best defense we've seen in college football in the last decade in that Georgia defense. Well, he gets nicked up. He gets banged up. It comes out on Wednesday afternoon. He is fighting through a concussion and is questionable for the game on Saturday. So will it be Emory Jones reassuming the starting role again? You look at his numbers. Emory has done a fantastic job running the football. It is passing the football that has given him the problems. Again, he's thrown 10 touchdowns, but also nine interceptions to go with it. And I think just the inconsistencies, that's really something that has plagued this Florida offense all season long. And then you look at the Gamecock side of things. As I told you guys before, and I've said this on our daily live show, I've said it on the podcast, I will be utterly shocked if Zeb Nolan even takes the field at any point 
Saturday night. I, I understand the gamesmanship from Shane Beamer. I understand he likes to hold things close to the vest. He's not going to make a decision or make an announcement, if you will, when he doesn't have to. And hey, he reconfirmed that on Wednesday afternoon when he said, I'm not announcing who's starting at quarterback until Saturday. So we're not going to get official word until Saturday afternoon, I'd imagine, right before kickoff. But guys, I think it's got to be Jason Brown. I think it will be. You know, Zeb Nolan coming off of that meniscus surgery, I would be absolutely shocked if he takes the field. I, I think it's just classic gamesmanship from Shane. Even again, why do coaches do that? Why is that ingrained in the culture of football, guys? I, I don't know. That's just how these dudes operate. But I think it will be Jason Brown. Will you see Colton Gothier get in the game for South Carolina? I don't know, but I think most folks tend to think it is going to be Jason Brown. I think it's going to be Jason Brown. Like I said, guys, I just don't see any way Zeb Noland is ready to go and can even give you the type of effort that you're going to need to even hang in this game with the Florida Gators. So, again, who gets the nod for both teams? Sounding like it's going to be Emory Jones on the Florida side. Will it be Jason Brown on the South Carolina side? I tend to think it will. But again, as Shane Beaver indicated, we're not going to know for certain until just a few hours before kickoff on Saturday. Guys, speaking of the way things are going down in Gainesville, the next storyline, and, and a big one really to follow, because what's so interesting is the parallels you can sort of draw between this game and the turmoil in Gainesville and what's going on down there with Dan Mullen and him. You could kind of argue fighting for his job at this point, the parallels to this game and the 2014 game when our good old buddy Will Muschamp was the head coach of the fight in Florida Gators and the Gamecocks effectively served as the knockout punch for his time in Gainesville. I look at this game for Florida and for Dan Mullen specifically as absolutely a must win. This is a must win for the Gators football team. If Dan Mullen loses to South Carolina, the odds he returns as Florida's head football coach next season, to me, are practically zero. Now, does that mean that if Florida loses this football game, Dan Mullen will be out of a job come Sunday? I don't know that, but I think it will be very clear and very evident at that point that, you know what, this team is not buying into what he's selling anymore. This team, there's a disconnect between him and the football team. I think this is absolutely a must win for Dan Mullen fighting for his job. And again, the turmoil down in Gainesville, though, because, you know, you knew Florida was going to fall off. You knew Florida was going to take a step back, losing all the talent they lost from a season ago. But Dan Mullen is fighting a very similar fight that anyone who takes the South kind of job is also fighting. And the fight is this, guys. When your arch rival is really under the greatest run in the history of their school, and of course I'm talking about the Georgia Bulldogs for Dan Mullen and of course the Clemson Tigers for Shane Beamer, when your rival is doing what they're doing and Georgia looks like they're, on, they're well on their way to winning a national championship, it makes it even tougher for Dan Mullen. So the turmoil in Gainesville, what type of effort do we see Florida give? Is this a team for Florida that comes out inspired, fired up, ready to go? Of course, they've lost two straight. They got their teeth kicked in by the Georgia Bulldogs. Do they come out fired up, inspired, ready to play? Or is it a lackluster effort that the Gamecocks that can take advantage of? And what will the result of this football game 
mean for Dan Mullen's job? And how does Florida respond to that? Again, I think it's absolutely a must win for Florida, which sets up well for South Carolina guys because, again, there's no pressure on you. You're an underdog. You're not supposed to win. You have everything to gain, and the Gators have everything to lose. Guys, if you're going to win the game, though, if you're going to do that, if you're going to pull the upset, you're going to have to score points. That's my next big storyline on this one, guys. Is this somewhat of a new-look offense coming out of the bye week? Now, can you scrap everything you've done through the first eight games? No, you cannot. And I think if you read into the comments that Marcus Satterfield had yesterday, he made it very clear, his thoughts on the scheme, saying it is not too complex. Um, And if you read between the lines, as I said yesterday, guys, they make it sound very evident that they believe their systems, their schemes, what they are coaching is working. Guys just need to do a better job at executing. So I don't expect Marcus Satterfield to come out and be someone he is not, okay? But are there new wrinkles, right? Is there something different about the offense? Do you do something different in run scheme that allows you to actually have some success? Hey, you're probably going to have a new quarterback. Are there new wrinkles with a new quarterback? Do we see the St. Francis connection with Jason Brown to EJ Jenkins? Is that a bigger part of the offense? Do you see the tight ends get involved more? Does a guy like Jaheim Bell touch it more? You got to do something offensively. Your your defense has done all they can all season long to keep you in ballgames. You're not going to beat Florida 13 to 10. You're not going to beat them 17 to 14. You're going to have to score points. What is the game plan for that? What is the plan to just somewhat even get this offense going to where you can do enough to win a ballgame? What is the game plan overall? Is there any sort of new look on offense? Is there just a new wrinkle at all? Again, are you going to be able to completely flip a switch and say, you know what, we're throwing out the old playbook. We're doing this thing completely different. I don't think you can. I think it's too late in the game to do that. But there's got to be something different because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Another big storyline for me, guys, on the other side of the football, we have seen it time and time and time again with Gamecocks football, guys. How often have we seen South Carolina, our team, how often have we seen us struggle with a dual-threat quarterback? I mean, we've seen it basically every year. It's like clockwork. My question is this, because we love to talk about all the positive things this South Carolina defense has done, and they certainly have. But here's the reality. South Carolina, when giving up 184 yards or more rushing, has not won a game this season. And it's happened on more than just a handful of occasions, right? This Gamecocks defensive front, call it for what it is, has struggled to stop the run. Meanwhile, Florida averages 243 yards per game on the ground. Guys, on that note, who is the Gators' leading rusher? Quarterback Emory Jones, who's averaging 64.5 yards per game. You know who their second leading rusher is? Anthony Richardson, their other quarterback, who's averaging 62.3 yards per game. Emory Jones with 516 rushing yards, 5.7 yards per carry, and three touchdowns. The quarterback run game is obviously a very, very big piece of this Florida offense. Can the South Carolina defense, I don't know if you're going to be able to stop the quarterback run game as a whole. 
can you contain it? Can you take away Emory Jones' ability to run? If you can do that and you can keep him in the pocket, he has shown a willingness to give up the football. Like I mentioned, guys, he's thrown nine interceptions. And this Florida team has been prone to turning the football over. But the big question is if and can. Can the Gamecocks defense stop or maintain or just keep corralled that Florida run game with the quarterback? Because, again, we've seen it time and time again. It has killed the Gamecocks in the years past. If Emory Jones can run wild, it's going to be a very, very, very long night defensively. you got to stop the run, and it starts with stopping the quarterback run when the Gamecocks take on the Gators. And the big storyline for me, guys, and again, I wrote down here in my notes the opportunity for a statement win. But even beyond that, what really just came to my mind, what really sticks out to me, listen, I'm behind Shane Beamer 110%, okay? Beamer ball, all that good stuff. It is year one, right? And I'm willing to be in this thing for the long haul with Shane Beamer and let him build and let him grow this program. And you do have the opportunity for that statement win, that hang your hat type of win that a coach is is always looking for in year one, right? To show, hey, this thing is working. We're showing progress. You know, that, that, that game that you can really sell to your football team, your staff, your fan base, your boosters, everyone involved with your program. But even more importantly than that for me, guys, Listen, the way this thing sets up, and you've had two weeks to get ready, and you're coming off of a bye week, I I really, truly want to believe that South Carolina will come out fresh and play its best football game, be inspired, be excited, night game, home game under the lights. I want to believe that South Carolina will come out and play its best football game. And here's what concerns me. Here's what scares me. If you do not, if South Carolina comes out flat or lays an egg, I'm going to be very, very concerned in regards to are the players buying into the messaging that they are receiving? You know, a a lot of this game, yes, you'd love to win. The result's important. But a lot of this game comes down to how you play. That, to me, is just as, if not more important than what the final score is. How do you approach this game? How do you play? Do we see a team come out fired up, excited, you know, throwing the first haymaker at home, getting the crowd involved? Again, the opportunity for the statement win is there, but I think it's extremely important to come out looking like you are ready to play, you're excited to play, you're fired up to play, and again, even if you're in a losing effort, putting on a show for the home faithful. Because I think that's what's really killing Gamecock fans right now. It's like, hey, we can deal with the losing. We can tolerate it. It's year one. We understand, hey, we're an 18-and-a-half-point underdog. We're not supposed to beat Florida. But you just can't come out after a bye week, having two weeks ready to go, and get your teeth kicked in. So the opportunity for the statement win is there. But also, how do you play? That, to me, is massively important in this football game. Guys, my final storyline, and again, you, you guys are probably tired of hearing me harp on it, and of course, Shane Beamer. My final storyline is just the overall atmosphere at Williams-Brice Stadium. The atmosphere at Willie B. What is it like? Do Gamecock fans pack out the house? Do they pack it out? Um you know, I, I don't know what the crowd will be like, but I, I'll tell you this, guys, and I, I won't be long and I won't be too long-winded, but have a little perspective. 2020, we all wanted to watch this Gamecocks football team, and we couldn't because of COVID. 
right? And during the summer and the preseason, we were all begging for a night game at home against an SEC foe under Shane Beaver. Well, now you've got it. And again, this team's not one and seven. This team's not two and six. It's four and four. And I'm not telling anyone you should do this or you shouldn't do that. Hey, whatever you want to do is your decision. If you don't want to go, that's totally fine. I'm not here to convince you. But I will be intrigued and curious to see what is the atmosphere and the mood like at Willie B. Because again, yours truly, I'm just excited to go out to a tailgate and go to a football game. But I know there's some disgruntled fans out there that are not going to show up. But as Shane Beamer pointed out, that does make a difference. The crowd makes an impact. Can the atmosphere at Willie B, especially early in the game, fuel this team? And who knows, man, all of a sudden you hang around, you hang around, you hang around, you look up in the fourth quarter, it's a one-score game. And all of a sudden, this Gamecocks team says, hey, shoot, we can win this thing in front of our home crowd. Who knows? I'll be very curious to see, though, what it's like, all the rowdy roosters at Willie B on Saturday night. All right, guys, let's dive into our key matchups to watch. There's a lot of good ones in this football game, a lot of good players in this football game. Key matchups to watch for again. I talked about the quarterback run game and how important it is for South Carolina and containing that. Guys, in a game like this, I've said this before, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but in a game like this, if you're going to beat Florida, your best players have to play the best game. And up front, it starts with defensive lineman J.J. Inigbare against quarterback Emory Jones. And J.J. just containing that quarterback run game that Emory Jones provides. Jones, again, like I mentioned earlier, guys, 516 yards rushing, 5.7 yards per carry, and three touchdowns. South Carolina will not win this football game. If they cannot get Florida in third and longs, if they cannot keep Emory Jones honest and make him throw the football, you got to make him throw the football. Bottom line, you can't allow the quarterback to just run wild on you. So, again, it's going to be up to JJ. We've put a lot on him this season. He's been one of the best in, in all of college ball, rushing the quarterback. He's got to do it yet again. So, again, defensive lineman JJ Nibari against quarterback Emory Jones. On the flip side, we've talked a lot about quarterback play. And there's other guys, by the way that have to step up, right, that have to step up and make a difference around the quarterback. No questions asked. But if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. And it sounds like Jason Brown, I think, guys, he's going to be your starter. I think it's going to be his game. And Florida, of course, I know they've struggled offensively, but they still got talent. they still got playmakers all over the field. So, for me, my second key matchup, quarterback Jason Brown, Against safety, Rashad Torrance, the second. Torrance, the second. 47 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, and two interceptions. Guys, here's the thing. South Carolina will try to run the football game. Will they run it with any success? Is there anything that tells you guys that the Gamecocks will run the football with any success? South Carolina has ran for less than 100 yards in five of their last seven games. So what that tells me is the Gamecocks are probably going to have to throw the football. So it's going to come down to Jason Brown. You know, I, I loved what he did against Texas A&M. We saw him in the spring game. He's a bit of a gunslinger, if you will. Does have some mobility, but a bit of a gunslinger. I think he'll push it down the field. But you got to keep an eye on a guy like Rashad Torrance a second. He will make you pay if you put it in harm's way. So Jason Brown, I think the goal for him in this game, what defines success? Somebody asked me that. What defines success for Jason Brown? Take care of the football. Don't put the Gamecocks in any compromising situations where, you know, you're throwing interceptions, or you're turning the football over, you're making bad decisions, because then you have no chance to win. The Gamecocks will have to win the turnover battle. That, that's a given. So, Jason Brown, 
taking care of the football, not putting it in harm's way, and, of course, again, keeping an eye on a guy like Rashad Torrance II in the back half of that Florida defense. Guys, my final key matchup in this football game, we got to talk line of scrimmage because it all comes down to the line of scrimmage. And if South Carolina, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback, doesn't matter who's playing running back, receiver, tight end, if you cannot keep the man under center upright, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And coming out of a bye week, can this offensive line show any signs of life at all? My final key matchup, offensive lineman Eric Douglas against defensive lineman Zachary Carter. Guys, Carter, 21 total tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss, and six sacks. He leads the Gators in both tackles for loss and sacks this season. Douglas is the leader of your offensive line. He's truly your leader. And again, I could list basically any offensive lineman in this slot, but he's your leader. And this offensive line simply has got to step up because you know what? The Texas A&M game, we can talk receivers, running backs, tight ends. The line was garbage. The line was terrible. And it doesn't matter who you're playing. If you're playing to that level on the offensive line, you have no chance. So line of scrimmage has got to be better. Offensive line has got to be better. It starts with a guy like Eric Douglas and leading that starting five. All right, let's get to our keys to the game, guys. Keys to the game. What does South going to have to do to beat Florida on Saturday night as 18-and-a-half-point underdogs. Again, guys, like I mentioned, the first one is this. And you're going to notice these keys to the games, they're not, they're not simple things like, oh, win the turnover battle. Like, well, no kidding. The Gamecocks can't lose the turnover battle to anybody and win. Hell, South Carolina struggles to win when they win the turnover battle. So things like that are fairly simple. Run the ball. That's simple. But my first one, guys, is this. Is this. Again, of course, Jason Brown, most likely going to be taking the start at quarterback, right? Going to be taking the snaps at quarterback. I think you need to do something to make him comfortable and give him the opportunity to make plays. Well, what better way to do that than to get his good buddy, EJ Jenkins, on the field and let them work? I'm not saying force the ball to EJ Jenkins, but damn it, find some situations, some matchups where it makes sense sense because you saw it in the spring game there's an obvious connection there those guys have played together forever so again my first key to the game the saint francis connection why not take a chance let these two dudes work together and see what they can do that saint francis connection could pay off huge dividends and be really really big for you and guess what guys it could open it could open up the run game it could open up passes to other players and getting your other athletes the football. But that St. Francis connection has got to be a part of the game plan, especially if Jason Brown is under center. My second key to the game, and I mentioned the run game, and I mentioned Emory's Jones, Emory Jones, excuse me, eliminate Emory's legs. You simply put have to. The Gamecocks stand no chance in this football game if they cannot take away the quarterback run game. Eliminate. Emory's legs, if you can make him stand in the pocket and you can make him throw the football, I think your secondary, I know you're probably going to be missing Jalen Dickerson, but with Jalen Foster leading the way, I think you can do enough to make some things happen in the secondary and force Emory Jones into mistakes, get the football off and get a couple turnovers, and all of a sudden you're in this football game late in the game. But you got to take the quarterback run game away. Again, my second key, eliminate Emory's Legs And guys, my final key to the game, this one is very simple. This one is very simple and straight to the point. <sighs> play smart football. I mean, just for the love of God, play smart football. Don't do stupid things. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. 
Don't turn the football over. And, guys, you can harp on coaching, and we can spend time talking about coaching and, oh, they're making penalties. They're not well coached. Guys, I can assure you Shane Beamer and his coaching staff are not coaching guys to commit penalties. They're not coaching them to turn the football over. At some point, at some point, players have got to be self-accountable. And I hope a lot of guys took time over the bye week and looked themselves in the mirror and said, how can I get better? What can I do to improve this game, Cox football team? And damn near everybody should have said, I can be a smarter football player. My football IQ, I cannot do stupid things. I cannot commit stupid penalties. Because the most obvious statement in the world is this. South Carolina is not good enough to overcome those mistakes. Guys, most teams in college ball aren't, but especially not the Gamecocks. So you've got to play smart football. It seems like every time this team gets something going, it finds a way to stub its toe or shoot itself in the foot. It can't happen. It cannot happen. Play a clean, fundamentally sound, smart football game. You do that, you give yourself a chance. I'm not saying you're going to win. You'll give yourself a chance. If you're committing penalties and doing stupid things, you stand no chance. You stand no chance in this game. So, again, my three keys. The St. Francis connection. Eliminate Emory Jones's legs and play smart football. Guys, that's my breakdown of this weekend's game against the Florida Gators. Of course, guys, my full prediction will be on the show Tomorrow, I will lock in my prediction. Tomorrow's podcast, Gamecocks, Gators, who gets the W? Also, guys, a quick reminder, tomorrow's podcast will be our season preview show for both men's and women's basketball. So, again, really looking forward to that. going to be an exciting show tomorrow. But, again, I will lock in my prediction tomorrow as well as the Gamecocks take on the Gators. Guys, one quick note, and then we'll get into your questions. I want to give a shout-out to Dawn Staley's squad. Women's basketball ranked number one in the USA Today poll. Ho-hum, no big deal. No, I'm kidding. It's a big deal. It's a very big deal. Uh, Another number one ranking for Dawn Staley's squad. Again, they're going to be the number one team, and I I really think they could go wire-to-wire this season. Of course, we'll talk about that more in detail tomorrow, but uh, officially beginning their regular season next Tuesday, taking on NC State who is also ranked, by the way, in the top five. They're ranked fourth in that USA Today poll, so they're going to be one hell of a way to open up the 2021-2022 basketball season. But uh, Dawn Staley squad ranked number one in the USA Today poll. All right, let's get into your listener questions, guys. We have just a couple, and then we'll dive in this interview. Austin G underscore 45 says, if the Gamecocks win, who makes the biggest impact on that outcome? That is a great question. So if South Carolina's to win, Basically, who is it because of? It's, it's hard to just pick one guy. I mean, truly, it, it's hard to pick one guy. I, I'm going to say offensively, though, I'm going to stick with offense because I think defense will give you a chance. And I think i got to go with Jason Brown. I, mean, I really do, man. Um, if I'm not going to say offensive line, because I, I don't think you can pick one player on the offensive line, that entire line of scrimmage has got to play better. But if you don't have a quarterback, guys, you don't have a chance. Can Jason Brown somehow be the answer for this football team and go out there? And I'm not saying throw for 300 yards or anything, but give you a solid enough outing to give you a chance to win the football game. So if the Gamecocks, I'll tell you this, if the Gamecocks win, we'll be waking up on Sunday and I think talking about Jason Brown's performance. I, I, I really do. I, I, because I think he's going to have to play well to give you a realistic shot to win this game. Uh, Chandler Murray says, chances on Miles Brennan coming to Columbia. 
I don't know exactly what the chances are, but I tell you what, if I'm Shane Beamer, I, I am certainly looking at the portal. Uh, I'm certainly looking at the portal in regards to finding a quarterback. I, I am. Guys, go out and find the best possible option you can. Uh, all due respect to Doty and Braden Davis and everybody else on the roster, but, hey, this ain't Pop Warner, man. This is the SEC. So, hey, you want to play on this level? It's all about competition. We're going to bring somebody in who's going to give you a competition. Have at it. So, I don't know about Miles Brennan. Is there somebody else out there? Maybe him. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, if I'm Shane Beamer, I'm looking to find a quarterback and bring him to Columbia. Uh, last question. Walk on score houses. What's the best way to contend with such a lack of talent? Someone has to get creative. Yeah, see, that's the scary thing in this football game is that Florida, I mean, they're still Florida. They still got talent. They still got athletes all over the field. Um, yeah, there's going to have to be a good game plan, man. But, hey, you've had a bye week. You've had two weeks to get ready. You should have a good game plan ready to go for this football game. So, that's on Shane Beamer. That's on Marcus Satterfield. That's on Clayton White. I expect this team to be well coached. Can they execute that game plan? I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll see. Um, so, all right, guys. Hey, appreciate the questions. Appreciate you guys being interactive, everything else. Um, really, really good stuff here on a Thursday, man. Really good stuff. Looking forward to this football game on Saturday. I'm looking forward to you guys hearing this conversation as well. Do not go anywhere. Former Gamecocks, great. Derek Squeaky Watson, guys. We, we, we chatted about two years ago this time. And uh, what a phenomenal convo it was. Because, you know, Derek Watson with a very interesting up-and-down career and hearing things from his perspective, from the human side, man, and just the adversity he's overcame in his life, really, really good stuff. So, again, a conversation you're truly going to enjoy. Again, guys, I appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you so much for the continued love and support. Again, guys, I said it yesterday. I'll say it again today. It feels so good to be back in studio chatting with you all. We got football rolling full speed the last month of football season. It's crazy to even say that, but it's the last month of football season. We've got three home games in the month of November. Of course, basketball getting going content bleeding out the eyeballs you absolutely love to see it folks hey that's going to do all for me appreciate you all tuning in guys have a great rest of your thursday and enjoy this conversation with former gamecocks running back Derek squeaky watson All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 1999 to 2001. During his career, he rushed for 2,078 career yards rushing, 16 total touchdowns. He also had 56 receptions for 466 yards and two receiving touchdowns. He helped lead one of the greatest turnarounds in college ball history, taking the Gamecocks from 0-11 to back-to-back Outback Bowl wins in 2000 and 2001. He also spent his pro career, spent time with the Patriots, Buccaneers, and the Calgary Stampeders of the CFL. I'm very pleased to introduce former Gamecocks running back Derek Watson, better known by his nickname Squeaky by Gamecock. Man. Appreciate <laughs> you taking the time in. It's a pleasure to have you on. Oh, man, pleasure's all mine. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, GCGC, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. El Pollo Loco, the crazy chicken. <laughs> for sure. So I want to go back to the beginning for you, Derek, because uh, actually, let me ask you, because I know I mentioned the nickname Squeaky. Do people still call you that? And, and where did that nickname come from? Oh, man, it, it's, it's uh, for a long time. If you were to call my, uh, my anybody in my family, uh, I know they don't have house phones anymore. But if you call the house and ask for Derek, a lot of times they say who, you know, so I mean, everybody, uh, you know, uh, everybody pretty much calls me squeaky back home family and uh uh you know now as a uh truck you know uh truck driving i'm in the uh, truck driving industry and uh i'm enjoying that take a lot of pride in it and uh you know i, I got the name uh from my grandmother uh, crazy story i've been had the name uh, since i've been probably uh since i was walking around well my grandmother uh my mom used to drop me off uh at my grandmother's house and 
And uh, sometimes I have a little bit too much energy for her, so she give me a little, little shot of vodka, uh, Smirnoff vodka, and uh, that, that kind of put me in the corner a little bit, you know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> I guess as, as a kid, I kind of got a, I kind of got a, a little thirst for the vodka, and uh, she wouldn't give it to me all the time. And she said it, when she didn't give it to me, I'd run around the house crying and, and crying, and she said I sounded like a little squeaky little rat. So she, that's, so she started calling me a little squeaky. So that's where it came from. So it's a lifelong name, and uh, uh, I don't mind being, call, you know, called by it still, you know. But as you know, uh, like I say, I'm, you know, my business name is Derek, but I still have a lot of people call me Squeaky. I, I, I still prefer Squeaky, you know. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's a cr- crazy story. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> I, I want to go back, you know, to the beginning for you. Um, you're a kid from the Upstate, from Anderson, South Carolina. Uh, the Gamecocks, you know, you came in and were recruited at a very interesting time. South Carolina transitioning from Brad Scott to Lou Holtz, which is obviously a huge hire for just the University of South Carolina to get that type of name, you know, a Hall of Fame, legendary head coach. Talk about your your recruitment, because I know obviously you were one of the top running backs in the entire country, probably could have went anywhere. But talk about your recruitment, why you chose to be a Gamecock. Yeah, yeah, indeed, man. Uh, you know, ran back uh, some good memories, man, to think about those days. Uh a lot has happened since then, but you know, back then, uh, I probably was uh, the number six running back in the country. Uh, obviously, Mr. Football uh, here in South Carolina, and uh, you know, it was just uh, the timing of of everything with uh, Coach Hopes coming in. Uh, pick up the Coach Hopes, uh, miss him a lot. I uh, love to see him and talk to him and chat with him. And uh, you know, it was just timing things uh, with him coming. It was big for me. Uh, it, he didn't have to do much selling, you know, uh, with him being a uh, uh, run first type coach and uh you know it didn't take much you know I was recruited by Tennessee uh and they you know it was them in Tennessee and Georgia pretty much uh coach Spurrier called me one time <laughs> and uh you know in classic uh coach Spurrier's fashion he said hey Derek uh it's coach Spurrier, Spurrier from Florida uh, I just want to let you know we're interested in you but if you don't want to come down here no problem we get another one just like you there you go. So, <laughs> so that was that was pretty much uh, his speech to me. So uh, you know, it was pretty actually, actually rather funny. But uh, you know, I wasn't wasn't interested in going to Florida playing as a Gator, and uh, so it pretty much came down to uh, USC and Tennessee. Uh, uh, coach, uh, I think Coach Donovan was down at Georgia, and uh, I remember he, he I was supposed to go on my. Uh, my my recruiting visit to Georgia was during during basketball season, and uh, uh, Coach Donovan's son comes up, and I just didn't want to go, so I'm I hiding I'm hiding out and get snuck out the back of the locker room after a basketball game, just left him sitting in the parking lot, which was you know uh, you know uh, it was just you know that was the wrong thing to do. I shouldn't have done that, but I had made up my mind that I wanted to go to USC, and uh, pretty much that night is when I made my uh, verbal commitment, and um, and, you know, and, and Tennessee was in it. So it was really, you know, Carolina or Tennessee. And uh, obviously uh, Tennessee won the national championship that year. And it was, I guess they won the national championship on a Saturday night and uh, Monday morning, all their coaches, their whole coaching staff was at Palmetto High School. Uh, so, we, which was a big deal at Palm, Little Palmetto down in Williamston. I mean, they came in with their Ava Rex, Tostitos, Fiesta Bowl, jack, uh, leather jackets, brown jackets. And, man, I was, you know, uh, skipping class in the gym, practicing my free throws, you know. So, I, I'm supposed to be in Spanish class, but I'm down at the gym shooting free throws. And I just noticed uh, there's a lot of commotion in the hallway and everything, and people were pouring out of the, the classrooms and 
I look out of the gym doors and I see all the coaches walking down and just everybody was in awe. And, it, you know, it, uh, it was a big deal. You know, they all, you know, I was their first visit after they won the national championship. I was the first recruit they came to visit. You know what I mean? So it was, you know, I, you know, I, you know, it was a big deal, you know, but, uh, took my visit. I went on my visit up there. They flew me up there in their private jet and everything, you know? So I'm on the plane and, uh, so I'm with the pilot. It's just me, the the pilot, the co-pilot, and uh, I'm sitting back there. And they they have the uh, ice chest and everything. The private jet. It was real, you know. It was set up pretty nice. Had Coca Colas and Pepsi's and everything on the top. And he 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 look. He finally looks back there. He say, "Hey, my man, if you if you dig if, if you dig down in there uh, further enough, you might find what you're looking for." So I, you know, peel back the layers on the top, and you you know, <laughs> you, you, you got the. Uh, the, the Hennessy, the Crown, the Grey Goose. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> there, there it is. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, no. but anyway, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, so, you know, I mean, it's not a, uh, not a long trip, but they let me, uh, fly the plane, you know, which, you know, once you get it up there, ain't really much to it, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was a good gesture to kind of let me sit behind the wheel in the cockpit and everything. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, so coming to coming to Carolina, uh, it's really something I reflect back on because uh, it wasn't cool to be a gamecock at that time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, I, you know, uh, I'm not a real big talker uh, about myself, person, but it's some things that I, you know, uh, like to talk about and shed light on. That, like, say, at, at that particular time, going from the transition from Brad Scott to uh, Coach Holtz, it it wasn't, you know, uh, per se, cool to be a gamecock and to and they had a one in 10 season uh before that year uh so i chose the gamecocks over the national championship team and uh you know and and i think making that decision as a mr football in south carolina number six running back uh in the country and and then turn down the uh, national champions for carolina you know it paved the way for in-state recruiting for carolina to 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 get a demetrius summers to get a marcus Lattimore to to get a uh, Jadavion Clowney, uh, 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 Alshon Jeffries, uh, uh, Sydney Sydney Rice, you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a pioneer in in in, in uh, making the decision to stay in state with Carolina. Without a doubt, without a doubt. So I, I want to go back to again. You get on campus fall of '99. We already talked about Lou Holtz, but talk about just. Your your first interactions with him because I've had like I told you a couple guys on from you guys era and it's the, the Lou Holtz stories are pretty uh, pretty entertaining. But what are your what are your what were your first interactions like with Lou Holtz? Uh, well, uh, well, I guess we'll go back to uh, to a, a house visit. He came and uh, uh, they you know they it was kind of a smear campaign against Coach Holtz that the. Uh, the Tennessee coaches knew I was lean, I was leaning toward going to USC, and uh, they had gotten to my grandmother and and my dad, uh, and pretty much kind of sold them on Coach Holtz was doing illegal stuff to get me down in Carolina, which he he didn't have to. Uh, you know, they people just could understand why would I choose a one in ten ball club, uh, uh, which you know uh, doesn't ha- have uh, I guess a uh, 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 historical dominance in football over the national champions, but it, it, it was solely uh, because I grew up going to Carolina games. I had a, a baseball coach and a good friend uh, that I played little league with that was Carolina fans, and uh, I went to a lot of Clemson games being from the upstate and around Anderson, but I went to just as many Carolina games 
And, uh, man, I remember watching Tony Watkins play, which was my favorite player, you know what I mean, one of my all-time favorite Gamecocks. Uh, Tony Watkins, Brendan Bennett, Rob DeBoer. I mean, uh, uh, Anthony Wright, of course, and uh, Steve Tannehill. I mean, I think the list go on and on, you know what I mean? So, uh, and you know, uh, it was just kind of a uh, a situation. It, it, it was a big elephant in the room when he came to the house, you know what I mean? And, uh, mm. you know, uh, it, it – you know, the way he handled the visit and everything, my, my grandmother was giving the cold shoulder. My dad was in, he was in the, he was in their sleep, you know, so, <laughs> you know, and uh, we just talked, man. And uh, he really made, made me feel, uh, feel accepted. You know what I'm saying? His way of, of bringing me in, I felt accepted before I even signed. So I pretty much, uh, I, I wasn't 18. And so I had to get my, my grandmother to sign my letter of intent. She wouldn't sign my letter of intent. Uh, so that morning, uh, uh, signing day, man, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it, you know, it was a tough time. I went into school uh, probably around about 7 o'clock, 7.30 or so. School started at 8 on signing day. And uh, uh, I was called up to the office uh, by the principal. And I went up to the office. And uh, and uh, my principal, his son, actually went to East Tennessee State. I found out later that they had promises of, Given his son a coaching job at uh, Tennessee, had I went on to Tennessee, and uh, and uh, my brother who came to school with me had on all Carolina. He already knew that I was going. He had the Carolina hat on and the sweater. They kicked him out of the school. You know, they they, <laughs> they locked locked doors on him. He was about lit up, about half drunk. Anyway, so <laughs> they they kicked him out. You know, so I'm in I'm I'm in the uh, in my principal's office. My principal wants me to go to Tennessee. Uh, I mean, they they were on a conference call with all the coaches on the Tennessee staff, and I was in the principal's office from about eight o'clock to lunchtime, eleven, twelve, so. And I finally said, "Man, I need a break. I need to go eat something." And I went, you know, went to go uh, to the cafeteria, and a uh, mentor just just so happened uh, one of uh, a good a mentor, like a father figure of mine, mm-hmm. guy named got by the name of Tommy Tommy Ellison, a businessman businessman up here in upstate in Anderson. And uh, he came to the school, and he was just in the hallway. Said, "Man, what, what's wrong? You, you're supposed to be happy." And uh, I was, man, I was just worn out. And you know, they were trying to persuade me, and they were talking about Coach Holtz, and then they was calling Coach Holtz and had him on the phone, and they was just trying to get him out of character. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. just the way he handled himself, uh, and, and, and by handling everybody, you know what I mean. So, uh, so I ate a little lunch, and and I came back around one o'clock, and. And so the word got out to my high school football coach what was going on. So he came in the office. He, you know, he was, you know, he used to call me big guy. He said, What's wrong, big guy? <laughs> I, I, you know, and I didn't want to say nothing in front of my grandma. My dad was in the office. He pulled me outside. He said, "What's wrong with?" I was like, "Coach, man, they 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 want me to go to Tennessee." He's like, "What do you want to do?" I said, "Man, I want to go to Carolina." He said, "Well, what's the problem? We're going down to the library. They had all the cameras and everything set up for the signing day table and everything, and they were just waiting on me for hours and hours and hours. They wouldn't let me out of there." So he said, "Well, what do we wait on?" He went back in there. He said, "He says he wants to go to Carolina. We're going down here to the library to, uh, to sign these papers. If y'all want to come, y'all can come. If not, we're gone." And, he, and and that was my, you know, that was my way out, you know. So I'm I'm gone. <laughs> so. You know, to see the pictures from signing day, to see my dad on one side and my grandma on one one side, they both wanted me to go to Tennessee. I'm smiling with the pen in my hand, and, man, they just stone-faced, you know what <laughs> I mean? And, uh, you know, but 
And, you know, so I chose to come on to Carolina and uh, Coach Holtz, man, and, uh, I really had a respect for him for how he handled the situation, you know what I mean? And uh, our relationship from there, uh, it just, we just built on that. And, uh, uh, and, and the guys on the team, they used to call me his son, you know, uh, you know, they, where your daddy at? They, you know, this little stuff like that, just, you know, just playing around in the locker room, but they used to call me his son. And man, I, you know, it was kind of like your, your parent or your grandparents, you can't do any wrong mm-hmm. in their eyes. You know what I mean? And, uh, but on the field, I know I had the off the field issues, but on the field, he knew I was a warrior and, uh, and, uh, I, you know, I, 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 I done every play just like it was a game, you know what I mean? Practice, you know, how you practice how you play. And uh, I was just balls to the wall, uh, excuse my language, but I was just, you know, just balls to the wall uh, in practice. So, and it, and, uh, it, and it was undeniable, you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. The off the field issue was one thing, but on the field, I, you know, I was the example of what a player should practice and play like, you know, uh, so I we I think we had we both had a respect for each other and 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 I definitely appreciated him as a coach. That it's different for everybody. You know, you got some people. You know, you know, he, there's no gray areas. Either you either you like him or either you don't like him or you love him. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I was the one that loved him and and I think the feeling was reciprocated. So uh, that you know that that made me feel good that my you know my coach he always went to bat for me. No doubt. So, Squeaky, I want to talk about on the field your freshman year because you, you carried the ball 111 times, 394 yards, uh, three and a half yards per carry. I know how the season went as far as records concerned, but for you specifically on the field, um, being a Mr. South Carolina football, you know, being one of the top running backs in the country out of high school, how do you feel like your game transitioned from high school to the collegiate level and the SEC level? Uh, well, uh, that year actually uh... – uh, I actually got off to a great start. I don't know if you, I, I'm sure you do, but uh, the monsoon up in uh, NC State. Yep, I mean, yep. it was. I mean, it was raining, man. I, <laughs> you know, it's one of those games you have to wring out your socks at halftime. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, it was raining so bad, and uh, and you know, it was almost as if everybody's field was wet except for mine. And uh, end up having a uh, guess about 21, uh, 19, 18 carries, 121 yards. Uh, as a freshman, very first game as a freshman, and uh, you know the, uh, the basketball team was wasn't doing so well. The, the baseball team wasn't to to its greatness yet. So I'm this kid on campus, and all of a sudden, you know, in a matter of of a uh, uh, 60 minute ball game, I, I I I'm the big man on campus. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it it overwhelmed me a bit. And uh, so around about mid-season or so, I don't know, I guess, the, the dynamic of the season. Uh, uh, you still there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, sorry, my phone just – but, uh, yeah, the dynamic of, of the season uh, with having uh, three Mr. Footballs in the backfield, you had me, uh, Mr. Footballs, South Carolina, Ryan Brewer. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that was my, you know, that was my trench hole war. You know, if it, you know how they say, if you wanted somebody in the foxhole with you, mm-hmm. Ryan, Brewer, Ryan Brewer definitely been the guy I chose to be in the foxhole with. But uh, Ryan Brewer from uh, from uh, Ohio and uh, Andrew Pennock from uh, Connecticut. I mean, mm-hmm. three Mr. Footballs in the backfield. And uh, I guess I got a little ahead of myself and I got a little down because of carries and not uh, playing and, I mean, we also had upperclassmen at the time uh, with uh, Troy Hamburg. Of course, he got uh, he got released from uh, uh, from Carolina his senior uh, his senior year, and we had Boo Williams and uh, 
you know, I actually was thinking, you know, I started to think about transferring because I got a little down and, uh, you know, but I, I hung in there uh, with Coach Holtz and uh, the rest of the coaches, coaching staff. Uh, coach Buddy Pugh uh, was an awesome coach. Uh, I still talk with Coach Buddy Pugh. And, uh, you know, I I decided to stay on. And, you know, and, and it was one of the good decisions that I made, you know, along the way. And, uh, and you know, that season we ended up 0-11 uh, uh, that season. And, uh, it, you know, it wasn't, you know, uh, a big high, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. – uh, so from the transition from what happened is uh, I think that offseason they went to some coaches clinic to Purdue um, and that's when we transitioned from, uh, you know, the eye and uh, uh, 21 personnel with two backs, one tight end or, or, or 22 personnel, two backs, two tight ends. We went from that mm-hmm. to the spread offense and uh, it was pretty much the same thing Purdue was doing, but they were a little bit ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as the spread offense, uh, Purdue was doing it, and we're one of the schools that brought it to the SEC. We we actually was the first team to bring the spread offense like that to uh, to to the SEC. So what it did, uh, my sophomore year, it, it defenses didn't know what to do. You know, uh, uh, of course they knew. Uh, you know, the talent I had, but they didn't realize or they didn't know how to align for it. So uh, it was pretty much, you know, a numbers thing. If, if you know, with running the uh, spread offense and running the read option, uh, you know, now you got so many pass options uh, off of this, this uh, spread or read option. But it was pretty much if the linebacker's out of the box, give it to him. I mean, if he's in the box, run the bubble screen, you know, and uh, – most of the time, they kept the linebacker out of the box. You know what I mean. So it, it was a it was a gift, and but they mm-hmm. didn't know how they didn't know how to align for it yet because again in the SEC they had never seen the spread offense. You know, so I think that had a lot to do with that thousand yard season I had mm-hmm. as, as a sophomore. No, so I want to ask you, Squee, going back to '99. You, you talked about just you know we obviously know how tough of a season it was record wise. Everything you talked about, you even thought about transferring. I mean, I, I want to ask you your honest opinion. I mean, again. You came to South Carolina at a time when, it, like you said, it wasn't cool to be a Gamecock, if you will. During that 99 season or at some point in that 99 season, did you look at yourself in the mirror and just think, did I make a huge, huge mistake? When, again, like you said, you turned down the national champions. And I'm glad you did, obviously. But, I mean, just com- being completely honest, I mean, did that ever cross your mind? Like, oh, my God, what did I just get myself into? Uh, yeah, yeah, and no. Uh I, I, it wasn't so much what did I get myself into. It was, it was more so what are they thinking? You know, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not getting any touches. Some games I went in, some games I'm getting. But uh, uh, quite naturally, they were still trying to, to see who was going to be their guy uh, with me, uh, Ryan Brewer, and Andrew Pinnock. And uh, so, uh, it, it, you know, it was more so uh, it wasn't what was I thinking because obviously I won't, I, I, I'm a Gamecock, still am and uh, always have been, uh, always will be. And, uh, you know, so I, I thought about it, and, and, it, and it was more so a uh, uh, just a kid pouting, you know what I mean? And uh, so, uh, you know, going into that uh, to that, uh, that offseason, uh, Coach Holtz pretty much assured me uh, that he's going he's gonna to get the linemen, you know, and he's going to, you know, uh, just hang in there, understand how you feel. And, uh, and, you know, he was truthful in that. You know that, and uh, so what we did, uh, 
got, uh, of course, we had Shane Hall there as a, as a lineman from uh, New Jersey. He's a good lineman. Uh, uh, Melvin Page, Lorel, we had Lorel, and we had CJ Fry, and of course, Cedric Williams, and of course, Travell Wharton. And man, I mean, for him to just have, you know, the mindset that maybe he should go from, you know, the eye set and spread it out a little. You know, uh, and and spread these guys out on on defense, and and he's always been a smash mouth coach, and I know that took a lot for him to do that. You know, but he wasn't spreading it out to pass it; he was spreading it out to run it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and when you know when when it when it clicked to me and what he what and and he made me understand that what he was doing because I'm like we're going to the shotgun. I'm used to the eye. That's what I ran in high school. Um, I'm a downhill guy. I like to get ahead of steam. Now I'm going from downhill step uh, forward first to now my first step is sideways, you know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. just having to get that momentum going toward the line. But once I understood the offense and what the concept was, I, I seen it was spread it out to run, you know, and, and what they thought in the SEC by not seeing it before, they thought we were spreading it out to pass it, but we was actually mm-hmm. spreading it out to run it. For sure. So, Squeaky, going in that 2000 season, let, let's talk about that one. Because, again, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you were part of one of the greatest turnarounds in college ball history. I mean, broke the 21-game losing streak against New Mexico State. During that offseason, I, I mean, did you did you see that coming? I mean, was that something where – because I know, like you said, you guys recruited a lot. You know, Lou Holtz's second year, though. But, again, you're on a 21-game losing streak. So, I know mentally that's got to be hanging over you all offseason. But did you see that coming, that turnaround coming in 2000? I actually didn't. Um, you know, it was a uh, it was one of those things where uh, we're just gonna well, hope for the best. You know, prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. However, uh, it was the hope was let's see how this offense is going to run. At, but obviously, I mean, we had we had the players on defense. I mean, Kalimba Edwards, uh, Cecil Pigley. Uh, 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 I mean, not Cecil, but. Uh, 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 Cleveland Pitney, sorry about that. Cleveland Pitney, uh, uh, Cecil Cobb, well, Kenny Horney, uh, uh, Rashad Faison, uh, Sheldon Brown, uh, Kevin House. Uh, you had uh, Willie Alford, which, which is another one of my uh, all time favorite players. Willie Alford, uh, oh man, uh, uh, Andre Goodman. I mean, I mean, the list go on. It was clear we had the defense. You know, I believe yeah. that. I I knew that, but it was the offense that was the question, and uh, I don't think it really sunk in. Uh, and, and with the talent we had, and, and what we had acquired with uh, James Atkinson coming in, I mean, who was a freak of a, uh, a receiver. You know, to see him in person, James Atkinson, uh, Corey Alexander, uh, has uh, uh, some other guys. Uh, just can't think right right off right now, but. Uh, you know, obviously with Andrew Pinnock and, and Ryan Brewer, and that year Ryan Brewer went out to the slot, and uh, and, and and that was that was big for us to have Ryan Brewer uh, as a slot player, uh, shaking up the, the defense with you know with, with his wiggle and running routes, and also blocking off the edge. You, you know what I mean? So uh, that done a, that done a, a great deal for us. But I don't think it really hit it. But Coach Holtz is a, it, it, I mean he. He, you know, he's a master uh, of conditioning men, you know, not only physically but mentally. And, uh, man, he had us in a state of, man, we really thought we could, you know, run through a wall. And uh, 
but it really and, and he he told us uh that you know he didn't ever understand what how South Carolina never done well in 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 football because he always said that the best athletes are in South Carolina, Florida, Tennessee. I mean, not excuse me, uh, Texas. You know, South Carolina, Florida, Texas has the best athletes. And uh, now looking back on that, he's right because you know uh, a lot of players in the NFL and 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 has played in the NFL that came from South Carolina. They don't always uh, stay in state, but from South Carolina, you know. So uh, I think we got up to about uh, five and zero, maybe. And uh, it really it really dawned on us, you know, we were five and zero with a top five defense. And uh, I don't know which game we finally lost. Uh, I'm not sure, but we were five. I think we were four or five and zero, uh, and I think we were just about to crack the top ten uh, at that time. And uh, man, I mean, it was you know it was an eye opener for us that he's right. You know, we are as good as he he say we are. And uh, and I think that gave us that head of steam to to, to finish the season strong, but uh, just by the dynamic of how the the season was scheduled at the time, I mean we had the Orange Crush at the time. We had uh, we had we had Florida, Tennessee, and Clemson right back to back. That I mean that was and we called that the Orange Crush because I mean man, we were probably going into the Florida game. We probably had only lost one game at, at that particular time, and. Uh, and we lost three in a row, which gave us four losses. And, uh, of course, after the Clemson game, uh, winning the Outback Bowl that year took us to eight and four. And uh, and, and, and that's another one of my uh, claims of fame with, with uh, feeling, you know, like being a pioneer of, for recruiting for Carolina is uh, we beat an Ohio State team who pretty much won the national championship Mm-hmm. Uh, we beat those guys two years in a row, and they pretty much won a national championship and and beat uh, the Hurricanes uh, with the with, with the addition of Maurice Claret, which I know that's a, that was a big addition at the time. Mm-hmm. But we we beat pretty much the same team two years in a row that won a national championship that year. That beat a Miami Hurricane, uh, uh, outstanding football team. So and, and that right there, uh, looking back on it. Uh, we didn't realize we knew we were good, but we didn't realize how good we were. And I didn't realize it until Ohio State won a national championship. And I'm like, man, we just beat these guys two years in a row, and they they won a national championship. You know, with the same pretty much the same team. Uh, uh, and the only guy they added was Maurice Collier. I say the only guy, but you know, mm-hmm. but right, right. I mean, of course, he, yeah, obviously he was a big deal at the time. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, so that season, man, it was a real, you know, real eye opener going into our junior season, man. Uh, it really gave us some motivation in the off season, man. That you know, we, you know, we belong. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we we find we finally arrived. No doubt. So, Squeaky, I want to talk about from the 2000 season that Georgia game. I, I, obviously, that was the one I think that sort of, you know, I, I would say let Gamecock fans know this wasn't just going to be an ordinary season. The home game, huge upset. Quincy Carter with those five interceptions. But I want, want to talk about you and that, and that win. 20 carries for 93 yards, three touchdowns. You had four catches for 20, 20 yards, and you also had a 53-yard kickoff return. Uh, talk about that game, how special that one was, and would you argue that that was one of your best, if not your best game ever in Garnet and Black? I, yes, uh, I, I would agree. Um, with the exception of probably Arkansas game or, or, or that we played my junior year, but uh, I would th- I would say a- as a team effort, that was the best game that we we played as a team. Uh, everybody had a good game. That, you know, uh, 
I mean, man, but the offense, man, uh, I, it, it gave us, you know, uh, it gave us our identity, you know what I mean? And now we finally understood the concept that uh, it works. I mean, man, they had Boss Bailey, uh, uh, Mark, uh, Marcus Stroud, and Richard Seymour. Uh, man, I mean, they uh, – uh, Jermaine Phillips. I mean, I mean, all those guys pretty much were, were first-rounders, you know. And uh, obviously Quincy Carter was a uh, – was a heck of a quarterback in that era and uh you know five interceptions on him and uh, uh having having a, a good offensive game and I, I think that was a uh defining moment for us you know as a team for sure so that 2000 clemson game i want to jump a little bit ahead because obviously again the 2000 season was special but i think one of the most well-known games for you squeaky was the 2000 Clemson game, nobody ever forgets the 61-yard run you have. I feel like it's one of the most iconic images in the rivalry where you're running to the corner and then end zone, you point at the Clemson player. Um, talk, talk about that run. You know, obviously, unfortunately, the game, uh, Clemson won benefit of the push-off. But talk about oh, that yeah. game for you, 25 carries, 150 yards, and that iconic touchdown. And what did Lou Holtz say to you when you got back to the sideline? Uh, oh, man, that's interesting. You bring that up. I was going to shed a little light on that. <laughs> So yeah, uh, you know, uh, at that moment, you know, uh, my uh, all my family and friends were just happened to be on the opposite hill, not the hill, but one hill in uh, in uh, uh, in their stadium, and uh, I was just happened to run right there, and, and I mean, I kind of, you know, and I understand uh, taunting penalties, and I understand celebration penalties, unsportsmanlike penalties, but I really didn't intend on doing that. It was just something that I was just so you know, I was I, you know I was just so amped that I just I just pointed at him, and I you know and I went on into the end zone and uh, did my little thing and Jamel uh, was it was it Jamel no it wasn't Jamel uh, but anyway so I did my thing and I'm coming back to the sideline now before I get there I realized they threw a penalty and I said oh man old man's gonna be lurking. You know, so I'm like, I got to come up with something to tell him. He said, Derek, what are you thinking? I said, Coach, I tried, I was trying to stiff arm him. And uh, it kind of caught him off guard. I said I was trying to stiff arm him, so he bought it. You know, uh, so he bought it. I told him I was trying to stiff arm him. So, uh, you know, so obviously they pushed off to win the game. And uh, so we get back that Saturday night. We come back. We're off Sunday. And uh, – we have our team meeting on a uh, uh, Sunday night, and uh, we're all in, we're all in the team meeting room, and Coach Holt's pretty much giving his feel and everything, and he was just saying how hard it is to to uh, to be the team with 13 guys, on, you know, with 12 guys on uh, with 13 people, you know, uh, you got 11 people on the field, you got one, you got to count for one person because they're playing at home, and then you got to account for the 13th person, which is the officials. You know what I mean? He said it's kind of hard to beat people. It's kind of hard to beat a team with 13 people on the field. And uh, he says you got Derek Watson running down the sideline, tries to steal from a guy, and they called a, a daggone penalty. And my roommate Michael Ages is sitting right beside me. He kind of did a little crack up, like a little, you know, like. But everybody's quiet, so it sounded real loud, and Coach Holtz heard it. He said, "Hey, Michael Ages, get your, get your, you know, it's explicit, explicit down here, right now." So he calls Michael Ages out in front of the whole team meeting room, get Michael Ages to come up there. He's standing beside his coach. He said, if you got something to say to this team, you say it right now. 
I mean, just put him on the spot, blasted him, you know, because he really thought I tried to stiff on him, you know. And, and, and at that point, you know, it was, you know, it was, boy, you better not say nothing to be white because, man, that's it, because his daddy going to get you. <laughs> you, know, so it, you know, you know, crazy story. But uh, he, you know, he went for it, you know what I mean? So, I, you know, I've been known to tell a little, little tale or two sometimes. <laughs> so did he, did he ever watch the film and figure it out that you didn't actually try to stiff on him? I, I'm sure he watched it Saturday night, uh, and, and, and and them grading the film. I'm sure he watched it, and and, and uh, I, obviously he can see it. You know, his age doesn't have nothing to do with anything. I mean, the guy can do everything. I mean, play golf, shoot pool, play cards, match. I mean, it was nothing we could beat him at. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm sure he did, but for whatever reason, uh, he thought I stiff on that guy, and uh, <laughs> well, he thought I was trying to stiff on him. I mean, I. I, you know, I guess the gloves helped because you couldn't see the finger out. It wasn't, you know, you couldn't, it, it, it wasn't definitive that you could see one finger sticking out. So you could just see a gray glove. So it kind of, you know, maybe at being 60, you might have a little bit of a blur right there. So it may have looked like I tried to stiff on him, but I kind of felt bad for Mike. I was like, oh, man, he done, he done got him in front of everybody, man. My, I'm sorry, Mike, my bad. You know, <laughs> For sure. So I want to ask you, you know, Squeaky, about that sophomore year for you. Like, you know, it's crazy. You take a look at that year. You didn't. There wasn't. There wasn't a single game where you didn't have double-digit carries, which I think is really, really impressive. But that was your thousand-yard year. Again, you finished with a thousand sixty-six yards, eleven touchdowns. Really, you were the workhorse back for the Gamecocks, and you know, the big, big play guy for South Carolina. I mean, was it as simple in that sophomore year for you as just getting more opportunities, or did something click for you in your game on the field that helped you have that that big year? Uh, well, with, with the uh, you know with 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 uh, the coaching staff and uh, uh, with the uh, the conditioning program, the offseason conditioning program with uh, Pat Moore, and uh, you know it, it was pretty much I I played sports my whole life, but I've never been in shape. You know, and, and that off season coming into my sophomore year, uh, I actually got in, 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 in into top shape and into top conditioning. You know, and uh, so I was, you know, I was geared, I was geared up for that type of season. And uh, but like I say, uh, uh, schematically uh, with running that spread offense and and the defense just looking like a deer in headlights, not really knowing what to do. Because again, their coaches ca- called the game. Uh, to stop the pass, you know, because just by alignment to, uh, you, you know, to, you know, everybody got an assignment, so you got to respect your keys. And uh, so you can't be out of alignment, you know what I mean? So just by alignment, uh, the coaching staff knew what the teams were going to line up in if we lined in a certain personnel or if we lined up the guys outside of the hash marks, you know, what type of alignment there would be. It pulled one of the one – one of the linebackers would have to uh, – respect their key and by alignment, you know, uh, schematically, uh, it, it done a lot of opening up some lanes and, uh, with the offense, man, and, and the offensive line and, and with the receivers buying in, man. And, uh, and, uh, everybody, I mean, it was, you know, it, it was a, uh, total effort by the offense, man. We understood, you know, everybody, uh, you know, everybody has a job to do. And, and a lot of times, uh, we could have had a, a better season, uh, offensively, looking at the film because a lot of times looking back it was some touchdowns that we let it get let get away and it was just all it was always one guy 
I mean, everybody done their job, but it was always one guy, you know, had he done this, this was, you know, this was boxed, you know what I mean? And right. uh, not only for me, but on uh, other plays, it's, it's just always, it was always one guy, you know. Uh, so we probably could have, you know, as, as a team, had a better season that year. And, uh, but, you know, uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, just things happen and, you you know, you, you got some guys uh, playing on the other team that are good as well. You know, everybody's, you know, everybody's good, you know, uh, getting ready, you know, to get to the next level. You know, um, in college, you know, everybody's a whole lot better than in high school. So, uh, you know, some guys just shed some blocks and made some exceptional plays to make those things happen. But, uh, again, a lot of us, a lot of our guys were in place and it was just, it came down to one guy and, and that and, and that also uh, helped us, you know, when we were watching film, and they made a they made a country effort to point it out to let us know how how good uh, is and, and uh, Skip Holtz saying, man, you know, it's always one guy, you know, we're not pointing out anybody, but just think about it, you know, the plays that we look at in in on film day and just watching and grading the film. Uh, they pointed out, and we really literally seen that, you know, it came down to one guy, you know, uh, maybe not doing his job or maybe tired. And uh, and, and and we pretty much, uh, we seen that, you know, and we understood that, and, and that helped us going forward. For sure. So, Squeaky, you guys win the 2000 Outback Bowl over Ohio State. Like you mentioned, you beat them again in 2001. You know, when you look back at it, how, how much pride do you take in it currently looking back to that you're one of the guys that really helped turn around this kind of football program and laid a foundation for what we saw uh, with Steve Furrier and then the expectations that are laid out today? Oh, man. I mean, you're, I mean, you're, I mean, you're totally spot on, man. And, 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 uh, and what you're saying, I mean, uh, and again, we'll, we'll, we're both saying this to you. You know, it's kind of like you read my mind here. For I've been going over these things in my my head for years. But uh, you know, you know, beating Ohio State, uh, of course, uh, historically good football team, and, uh, and 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 the way we beat them uh, last, you know, last second field goal, uh, and you know, it, it, and having that turnaround from going 0 and 11 to uh, 8 and 3, and then uh, I mean, excuse me, 8 and 4. Then obviously we're playing Ohio State again. Uh, in the Outback Bowl, you know, uh, so of course they wanted to get some revenge, or you know, they didn't have any respect for us, but uh, I'm sure they did go on, you know, that that following season, you know, but you know, again, we booked them again, and uh, like I say, uh, we beat an Ohio State team two years in a row that pretty much won that championship that next season, uh, with uh, pretty much the same players. Mm. For sure. So that that uh, that 2001 season, I, I want to talk about your last game in Garnet and Black. Maybe your second last game in Garnet and Black, but your last game at Williams Bryce Stadium. Um, you had a touchdown run against the Clemson Tigers. You're able to go out a winner at Williams Bryce against Clemson. How special was that one for you, especially after the 2000 game in which you guys really had one taken from you? Yeah, I mean it was uh it was big. It was big. Yeah, uh, it was big for me uh, being an upstate kid and. Uh, and then, you know, in the recruiting process uh, back then, uh, when I was a senior in high school, uh, SEC was pretty much the uh, only conference that had the Prop 48 uh, deal, you know, where uh, if a kid didn't qualify, uh, they were still in college, but had to sit out the season. And that was pretty much uh, 
you know, uh, what I thought I was going to have to do. And Clemson, uh, coach was Tommy West at the time, pretty much thought that I wasn't going to qualify. And so obviously they were recruiting me at the time. But once they thought that I wasn't going to pass SAT, they stopped recruiting me. Well, I passed SAT. <laughs> so, and that's a whole other story. Well, I tell, I tell that story too. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I took the SAT one time and uh, uh, I didn't qualify. I didn't make, I guess it was 850 at the time. I don't know if it's higher than that now, but uh, without, you know, with everything and all technology, it's, it's probably 900, 950 now. But anyway, it was 850 then. So, uh, what happened is uh, I was seen by a doctor uh, who. Uh, was testing me for a learning disability, and uh, so I got diagnosed with a learning disability, uh, ADHD, and uh, with interfering with, with my learning. So now that I'm diagnosed with a learning disability, uh, now I can have the SAT read to me uh, by a guidance counselor or a teacher from from my school. And uh, not only can I have it read to me, uh, I don't have to do it. Uh, uh, the, the written English part and the math, I don't have to do it one thing, uh, one subject, uh, and then the other subject. I can go back and forth, you know. So uh, <laughs> my guidance counselor, she's re, uh, uh, I think it was Melissa Cole, and when she was actually a Clemson grad, and uh, but she was our guidance counselor. Uh, she is recently grad graduated and uh, real good woman, you know what I mean? She's fairly young. And she wanted me to qualify, and uh, so so we're taking the SAT, and uh, so she reads the question off, and she says, uh, "Do you think it's A, B, C, or D?" I said, "I think it's D." She said, uh, "Let me read the question over again." Okay, so she reads the question over again, and uh, which one do you think it is? Uh, I think it's B. Oh, well, sometimes you just have to go with your feeling, Derek. <laughs> oh, okay, that's me. <laughs> so I went from not qualified. I actually made a 1250 on the SAT. You know what I'm saying? You know, so I went, but, and, and uh, uh, quite naturally, they would investigate that, right? But uh, at that particular time, John Cheney uh, was coaching at Temple, and they were petitioning uh, to the NCAA about the SAT being culturally biased. And uh, with that petition going on about it being culturally biased uh, and me being African-American, uh, they didn't want to mess with it. So they never questioned it, you know what I mean? So I, 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 I met Bike Week uh, at Myrtle Beach uh, during the summer, and my test scores finally come back, and I'm at the hotel. I don't know how Miss Cole knew what hotel I was, but she found me. So I get a couple of my uncles in there, and... and, and he come down on the strip down and, and he comes squeak, 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 squeak. I'm like, what in the world is going on? So I come up here, like, you got a phone call. I was like, phone call? On the room phone? I asked her, oh, she's crying. I was like, who is this? She's like, there, there, it's Miss Cole. We, we did, I mean, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, you know, so that story, I mean, it was, uh, so, but it, she was at house, you know, uh, they was just, you know, just story just to put it back on. But yeah, anyway, yeah, so, uh, yeah, man, uh, you know, it, it was good times, man. It was good times. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it's bringing up so so many feelings I, you know, I had at that time, man. It, you know, it feels good to reflect back on those times, man. It was a good time uh, in my life. And, uh, you know, it's good to talk about it. And, uh, 
yeah, man, I, you know, like I say, I, you know, I'm, I'm a proud Gamecock, still am. And like I say, I always will be. And, uh, you know, we just have to get back to, the, you know, those days uh, of that type of recruiting and that type of uh, uh, competitive play. For sure. So, Squeaky, I want to ask you, you know, obviously I won't go into everything, but like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, you had some off the beat. I just simply want to ask you, if you, looking back now, if you could tell your younger self one thing, knowing what you know now, what, what would you say to 18-year-old or 19-year-old Derek Watson? Oh, man, I'd say if I, you know, uh, if I knew now, uh, if I had known back then what I now know, um, you know, I, you know, I'd have more confidence because, uh, you know, I, I grew up, a lot of people didn't realize, but I grew up as a depressed kid, dealing with depression. And, uh, you know, uh, and it was part of what uh, uh, motivated me and uh, fed me mentally as a player that I always looked at other players and thought they were better than me. You know, uh, for whatever reason, you know, by the end of the game, it was clear who, you know, uh, even basketball, it was clear who the best athlete on the court was, it was clear who the best athlete on the field was. But I had a bit of a uh, complex and, 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 and a bit of a you know, mental issue with dealing with depression that was, uh, that, that went undiagnosed. Uh, you know, so I would probably have to tell myself to have, I wish I had more confidence in myself and I wish I had taken it more seriously. You know what I mean? Uh, I guess uh, I never, I, I never thought about it being over. You know, and, and which I knew, I know all things come to an end, but I just never seen that 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 end. That I never seen uh, myself going to the NFL because again, I uh, I always thought everybody was better than me. You know, nobody, you know, wouldn't think that. But you know, you can't tell somebody what they see in the mirror. You know what I mean? You know, what a person says of himself in the mirror, uh, a lot of people don't know. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I tell myself, man, just have, have – I wish I had more confidence in myself as an athlete and I took more pride in it, and I wish I had taken it more seriously. For sure. So, Squeaky, like I mentioned, you had a pro career. You spent time with the uh, the Patriots, Bucks, and then the Calgary Stampeders and the CFL. Uh, when you look back on your pro career, you know, what's the biggest thing that uh, I guess you take away from it? Oh, man. It, you know, uh, it, man, it's a, you know, it's a, uh, I mean, it's a business. You know, uh, I mean, you got so many hands into the game. Uh, uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of one of those things, man. Let you know, let the let the athletes let the play on the field side the game, and uh, and a lot of times, man, with, 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 with you know, we got the same players on the field, but now we add money into the situation, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's you know, and, and now you know they're you know starting to think about this thing about playing paying players in uh, college football, you know, uh, which I think they. They should, but it's again, you know, how do you regulate that? How some players are obviously more valuable than others, you know. Uh, and, you know, with those type of players that are, you know, uh, hey, uh, you know, if I was a player and, and, and they say, hey, uh, you can make some income, or, you know, but how do you regulate that? And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, how, how do you pay Jadavion Clowner the same amount of money uh, that you're going to pay your kicker? <laughs> you know, so, uh, so. So hey, me as Davian Clowney, you know, coming out of high school, hey, uh, let me make my own money. I'll pay for my own education. You know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, man, uh, 
it was, you know, just re- yeah, reflecting back on it, man, it was, uh, you know, uh, obviously good times for Carolina, you know, as a whole. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and uh, with, with the things I went through uh, with uh, having to withdraw from Carolina, I, you know, make that clear, I withdrew from Carolina. A lot of people think I got kicked out. But uh, I actually had the choice to stay at Carolina uh, my senior year. Uh, however, uh, it was either stay at Carolina and set out, uh, set out a year and, and, and run the risk of getting caught up in the shuffle and getting lost. And, hey, I was, uh, you know, I found myself now, but I was a lost, I was a lost kid back then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you get, you know, the season goes and some guys have some good, uh, a good year. And let's say, hey, I get in trouble again. And then you're totally wiped out. You hadn't played a season. Now you're in some more trouble, you know. So I wasn't totally confident that I could stay, you know, uh, I guess per se out of trouble. So uh, I I elected to withdraw from Carolina and uh, go down to go to South Carolina State with Coach Buddy Pugh. And uh, and I've made some bad decisions along the way. And uh, and no uh, no disrespect to South Carolina State Bulldogs. I enjoyed my time down there. But, you know, sometimes, you know, that's one of the things that I look back on and say I, I, I wish I had set, set out that year, you know, and, and, and uh, sharpened my craft a little bit as a player and, uh, and sat there and, and, and really did some soul searching and digging deep as far as, far as uh, uh, being removed from the game. That would have done something to me to watch the other guys and, and have a good season and how, how, how happy they would be and just to sit there and to be still, you know, because, uh, I, like I say, looking back on it, you know, obviously uh, I went to prison in uh, 16. I, I got out here in 18. So, I, uh, with, you know, with you know, with county time and prison time, I did a total of three years uh, on a five-year sentence. And, uh, and it taught me a lot because, I, I you know, I, I got, I, I've always had ants in my pants. I always had to be doing something. And, uh, man, I tell people all the time, man, I got some ants in my pants that got sharp teeth. And, man, when they get to biting, you know, I mean, and they, when they get to biting, man, I go, you know. But going to prison set me down, and it made me realize uh, who I was. Yeah, I, I was able to sit still and really, because I couldn't, you obviously can't go nowhere. And, and, and so what do you do with your time? You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I read, you know, I went to college, and obviously, I, you know, I went, uh, completed three years of college and my uh, half of my uh, senior year and I uh, the second semester of my senior year uh, Andrew Pinnock and I went down to uh, to train in uh, Kenner, Louisiana with the great Tom Shaw and uh, you know uh, so I, I I got education and I've had plenty of books in front of me but I never read a book fully through until I went to prison and uh, and I realized that I enjoy reading and uh, and it was a lot of things I realized about myself, you know, because I, I never had no inner peace. And uh, I was never able to be at peace. And uh, uh, prison, uh, you know, it does a lot of things depending on how you use it or utilize it. And uh, I was able to utilize it in a positive manner. And, and what I took out of that is being able to be still and, 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 really, uh, and, and really focus on yourself and not have, you know, music booming in your ears and not have women around you and not have these props in your face and you're able to actually peel back the layers 
and, and, and work on yourself. I mean, it took some time, mm-hmm. but uh, I dug real deep and, and, and I found myself, you know what I mean? And, and I said to myself, man, had I done this uh, my senior year and set out, it would have done the same thing to me as what it did to me uh, being able to come out of prison with some peace and uh, being able to find myself there. No doubt. No powerful stuff. So, Squeaky, one last question. I'm going to let you go here. But when you look back, obviously, your South Carolina career, um, 1999 to 2001, when you look back on your career, what was your favorite memory in Garnet and Black? Oh, man. Uh, man, it's a lot of them, man. It, it, uh, it's a lot of them. Uh, I still think about them to this day. And, uh, and uh, if I sat there long enough, I could think about one, you know, uh, or two that I hadn't think, thought about in years. But, man, it – it was a lot of good memories, man. Uh, obviously, uh, winning the Outback Bowl was uh, was a good was a big deal. Uh, two years in a row beating Ohio State, and, and again, uh, they won a national championship with pretty much the same team. And, and for me to sit and think about, man, how good we were, and how and, and to think about how could we, how 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 much better we could have been, we we were sold, we bought in, but. It was just, it was a part of us that uh, had a bit of a reserve because, again, uh, Carolina wasn't historically uh, a good football team uh, leading up to the 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, and on to the Spurrier era. Uh, so it was a bit by the dynamic of the history on the football team, I think, is what held us back from being pretty much contenders for the national championship because. I mean, we bought in, you know what I mean? But uh, maybe it was a bit that we didn't feel we belonged that that separated and, and made the difference in us being 8-4, uh, and 9-3 Outback Bowl winners uh, opposed to going to one of, you know, what they would call one of these uh, Power 5 uh, uh, bowls, uh, if you will. But, uh, man, it's a lot of good memories. But uh, I'd say one, if I, if I had to say one, it would probably be uh, the 2002 Arkansas game at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a that was a that was a that was a big time, and uh, that that I reflect back on had a big had a big day that day, and we all as a team ever had a big day. Obviously, beating Alabama at home uh, was a big deal, also. Um, so uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say uh, yeah, beating Alabama at home and. Uh, beating Arkansas at home, which they were a, a good team, but it was it was just the atmosphere that day, man. It was nostalgic, man. It was euphoric, and uh, it was just about like when we and I was at this game. It was about like when we beat the number one team, Alabama, in the Spurrier era. At, beat Alabama, the number one team at home, and I, I was there for that game, and I got that feel, and, and it took me it took me back to to those days, man. Uh, and I, I know I felt like I was on the team again. For sure. Well, Squeaky, appreciate you taking the time, man. I, I want to speak for all of Gamecock Nation when I say, you know, through thick and thin, whatever happened, whatever happened in the past is the past as far as off the field. But it was a pleasure to watch you in Garnet and Black. And I, I can't remember many more players that were as electric as you were on the football field, man. I, I really do appreciate you taking the time. And uh, let's definitely chat again sometime, man. Awesome story and a lot of great memories, like you said. And glad everything's going well for you now at this juncture. But uh, really do appreciate you as a Gamecock and as a person and uh, would love to talk ball with you again sometime. Yeah, man, I certainly appreciate you having me on, man. Good luck with the rest of the season, with the show. Uh, I'm still going to in black. And, uh, yeah, man, El Pollo Loco, man, the crazy chicken, GCGC. GC.